Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast often deals with graphic, violent and horrific crimes against men, women and children. Please listen at your own discretion. If you are affected by any of the themes featured in this episode, please contact your local support charity. It was a very, very unusual type of case. I don't think we'd ever had a case similar to that in Hong Kong before. And some, some people were saying, could there be a serial killer you know, lurking around in the area? The culprits had obviously uh, tried to destroy uh, certain items of uh, evidential value. We, we, we didn't find any, any, any important evidence that would help us lead to who the killers were. Very little evidence to go on the scene because there's no witnesses. And it could be anybody. The most notorious murder in Hong Kong. This was Baymar Hill. Catching Worms, a Hong Kong true crime podcast. Nicola Myers and Kenneth McBride met at Island School. Nicola joined the school in the fourth form and was placed in the same house as Kenneth, the House of Fleming, named after the Scottish doctor Alexander Fleming, who discovered penicillin. A strong friendship had developed between sporty Kenneth McBride and the pretty and intelligent Nicola Myers. They were in the upper sixth, studying for their exams and one Saturday afternoon, they decided to take their books up to the top of Braemar Hill to revise and take in the scenic views. They did not know this would be the very last time they would take that walk. They had plans for the rest of the weekend, as their teacher from Island School, Chris Force, remembers. He was in the debate, school debate team that just won through to the final of the Hong Kong school debating competition. That was that was going to follow in about two weeks. In fact, Kenneth and Nicola were both due at my apartment on the Sunday night, April twenty first, where we were going to have um, 
our brainstorm for the debate final. No one had a bad word to say about them, as Detective Nora McKillop discovered. They were very, 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 very popular young students at Island School, um, both of them. Um, they were very active in the, the socially, in the clubs and uh, um, and uh, extra, extracurricular activities. Um, they were good at sports. Um, uh, Kenneth was a very popular young man. Uh, so he was very argumentative, quite bolshy, very bright big debater. He was captain of the Island School rowing team. In fact, he had won an international meet um, just a few weeks before he was killed, actually, in Japan. Um, so he's top rower. And yeah, just yeah, as I said, he was elected by his peers to be student union president. So that says something. They, they, were, they were top uh, students uh, back in Island School and uh... Yeah, they were studying for the A-level exams. So young? Yeah, very young. Yeah, very young. Yeah. Very kids. Very young and full of life, until on the 20th of April, 1985, that life was taken from them. When they didn't return home after their study date, their parents began to worry and reported them missing to the police. The next morning, their bodies were discovered by a jogger on the hillside. Their teacher, Chris Force, was left with the task of telling their classmates what had happened. But we had that meeting that evening. I, I managed to get to most of them on the telephone and explain what had happened and that we would still gather at my apartment that evening. Because fundamentally, the students needed to be together, to share. Some students didn't know when they walked into my apartment what had happened. Some screamed. Two detectives led the investigation. We were on call and we were the first ones. And so I was the OC case to start. And then because of the, uh, the, 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 the sheer volume of stuff that had to be done, uh, Norrie and his team came on board. So we, we handled it together, dealing with different aspects of the, the case. And in fact, Norrie was dealing with the McBrides whilst I was dealing with the Myers. Uh, so we had that sort of personal touch with the, the two families. Scottish-born Nora McKillop was working for the Royal Hong Kong Police as a detective for the Organised and Serious Crime Squad when he was assigned the case. Working with him was Londoner, Detective Trevor Collins. Their memories of events overlap as they describe the evidence they found at the scene. Um, one peculiar thing was... Uh, uh, Kenneth's shoes were missing. So uh, we found that pe quite peculiar. Um, but the, the, the items of clothing, um, uh, books and um, study material were scattered around. We found uh, a lot of uh, the pair's uh, uh, school books and such that had been torn and uh, torn up and thrown away. You know, he was just looking for whatever you could find. 
uh, we found a number of items which uh, were going to prove, as we knew at the time, difficult to uh, to deal with because uh, you had like uh, uh, a piece of wood. Now, the murder weapon on that day, strangely enough, I found it myself, which was quite extraordinary, uh, given the number of people that were there. I walked down down a, a valley while other inquiries were going. I took a stroll around the area to make sure that I, I got a thorough idea of the, the whole area. This is Detective Nori McKillop, the first detective you heard earlier, with the help of his cat in the background. So I, I walked out with a Peter Yipal folk, one of my inspectors, and we took a walk around the area and we walked down a valley where there was a stream and I noticed a, a piece of wood in the stream and the end of the wood didn't look consistent with the, the, there was material uh, or earth I would say discoloured earth on, on the end of this piece of stick probably about a foot and a half long about probably two inches wide quite a hefty piece of stick but the end of it had some discoloured earth on it, which wasn't consistent with uh, having laid in the pool for some time. So I, I took it out and uh, and uh, we used the term seized. It's just a term that we used to show that we, 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 we bag it and we stop it from being contaminated. And that, in fact, turned out to be the murder weapon, or one of the murder weapons, which was quite extraordinary in that area to, to be found. And in that piece of wood, there was a, a fingerprint. It was in blood and mud, and there was a hair trapped inside the, the fingerprint as well. And you've got to remember, in those days, there was no such thing as DNA and such like. Uh, and it was always difficult to decide amongst the experts who was going to get the first uh, bite, as it were. And if you gave it to the fingerprint uh, people, it they would probably destroy the blood and the hair aspect. And likewise, we gave it to the, 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 what now called forensic scientists, the chemists, as they were called in those days, then uh, you'd lose the fingerprint. So that, that, was, that was a bit of a, a quandary. Dr. Robert Green was awarded an OBE for his services to forensic science. And with 30 years of practical, on-the-ground policing as a specialist in applied forensic science and cold case reviews, I wanted to get a better understanding of how significant this evidence was. To the level where you've just got a very small amount of evidence, say like one fingerprint. Yes. Is it possible to identify a suspect from just one fingerprint? Indeed. In fact, you very... um, Say not not seldom, not seldom, but not not oftentimes. You you actually get a, you know a full sequence of finger marks. Um, you know it's a, I suppose classic textbook case where you, you're actually looking for you know someone climbing through a window and pulling themselves. So you get you know the four finger inverted sequence, um, but very often you, you don't you you find that finger mark fingerprint identifications are made um, very often not on one digit. Um, or in fact, even you know, on, on the, a fraction of one digit. Um, so you know, we're only looking now for you know a small part of the uh, the actual finger mark itself. Um, so you, you don't even times need need one digit. It's it's really all about the quality of the ridge detail. 
Um, so it's all about you know not necessarily the, the the amount of material, but actually what what the quality of the uh, the finger mark is. On the first of May, the South China Morning Post reported a significant forensic clue: human tissue had been found under the fingernails of Nicola Myers. It was believed she had scratched one of the attackers in the struggle, but at the time. DNA testing was not available to the Hong Kong police. And without this, how significant was human tissue? Could it be used to trace the killer? The Hong Kong police would need the help from some of the best forensic scientists in the world. So Trevor Collins was sent to the UK. We decided that we could make use of the British government uh, forensic laboratories, the Home Office laboratories in London. So I took these exhibits uh, to go over there uh, because they they were the first ones that had the laser examin- examination technique, uh, and we thought that perhaps that would be ideal for for uh, you know, especially on the fingerprint and such like. Dr. Robert Green was head of science and technology at the Home Office and explains what this laser technology involved. Uh, laser microdissection of um, items um, that were recovered from the body. Um, and one of the techniques that was used was a technique called differential extraction from, let's say, you know, a pair of uh, underwear that's involved in a murder scene. Um, and where, if I explain to you this way, you can have a microscope um, with a laser attached. You can actually look through the microscope um, and you can effectively dissect the um, um, the sperm head actually from the garment. Um, so that's what laser microdissection is. Um, and it enables you to be very specific about the, the number of sperm head that you find. Uh, in contrast to early techniques, you know, the differential extraction was, was not as, as specific as that. For Detective Nora McKillop and Trevor Collins, the most important piece of evidence were the bodies themselves. Or oh, the body? Well, the the, uh, the state of the body uh, had to be examined. The both bodies had to be examined in situ. Um, Kenneth, you might recall, had had a broken uh, collarbone, so his arm was in a sling. Um, the, the, the bodies were in a pretty bad condition. They'd been very, very badly uh, beaten. And uh, that was apparent from the outset. And of course, the forensic the postmortem revealed uh, revealed lots more. Uh, Nicola, for example, had suffered hundreds of injuries, and uh, Kenneth, from what the, his body told us, had put up a terrific struggle, probably to try and save um, Nicola, uh, apart from protecting himself. Uh, with Nicola, she had over five hundred and fifty injuries which had to be um, recorded and, in, in a way that you, to find out what was the cause of those injuries. Uh, and Kenneth had over 100 uh, injuries on him. So each one could help in identifying certain aspects of, of how, they were, how, they were, how they were killed. A post-mortem is a medical examination carried out on the body after death. It is also called an autopsy, which means to see for oneself. In a homicide, or 
any case where the cause of death is suspicious, a post-mortem autopsy is required. For Nicola, her family had to endure two post-mortems under the watchful eye of Detective Trevor Collins. So there was a post-mortem in Hong Kong and there was also a post-mortem in the UK. Um, And you attended both post-mortems, did you? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Because the... There was a case in, in, I think it was Kenya, where it was a daughter of a policeman, actually, a UK policeman, who uh, apparently fell over, fell off a balcony. It was ruled as a suicide, but witnesses claimed that it was a murder. The uh, post-mortem in, I believe it was Kenya, uh, the body was sent back to UK, and uh, they, the father insisted that a second post-mortem was conducted, and as a result of that, they discovered it was probably murder. So the British government or the English people, side of the government, turned around and said that every English person who has died overseas, the body was returned to England, then a second post-mortem be carried out. So Nicola had a second post-mortem, but Kenneth didn't because he, was, he went back to Scotland. Although they had found a number of important forensic clues, the science was not developed enough and there was not sufficient evidence to identify a suspect. Would they ever be able to find the Braemar Hill killers? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Nicola Myers and Kenneth McBride had gone to Braemar Hill to study one sunny Saturday afternoon in April 1985. 24 hours later, lines of police were scouring the hillside in search for any clues that could identify their killers. The police had found the murder weapon, a wooden stick, items of clothing and school notebooks strewn across the shrub grassland of Braemar Hill. Uh, I was head of history when the murders took place. Uh, Kenneth was in my A-level group 
Um, in fact, my the notes of my lessons were actually found on the site. The news of their death was slowly spreading. Chris Force, their teacher from Island School, had planned to spend that Sunday evening with Nicola and Kenneth, brainstorming for their inter-school debate competition. Instead, he invited their friends and classmates to his home to share the terrible news. It was absolute shock. You could not believe the response. More often than not, it was just silence um, and, and just speechlessness. Because uh, this was probably the most shocking event in Hong Kong of that era. Um, I mean, it's been recorded in the South China Morning Post history book that has us as perhaps the greatest, the, the most notorious murder in Hong Kong. After this initial shock, the students took a moment to remember their friends. We began to exchange stories and remembered these two young people, remembered their quirkiness, <laughs> the way they used to write poems to each other. <laughs> I remember conducting one lesson up on the roof because it was a nice sunny day and, and Kenneth came up with uh, his desk because he, he was determined he was going to have something to, to write on. Read by an actor, this is one of such poems Kenneth wrote to Nicola. Together, Kenneth to Nicola. Essence of the precious hours spent with you shall never fade in the book of my memory. Your soul's faithful and selfless tranquility and the bright-eyed compassion it always knew shall never fade when I think of you. Together our wind-washed minds raced to the sea and soared above the nets of destiny. Together our strengths tempered as we grew. Beside you, time and pain would slip as our laughter and your gentle smile replaced the loneliness. Blown away over the green stones and brown earth, so much more than the sole sound of breathing, and though perhaps silence is the best communicator, I shall always smile and remember when I think of you. Assigned to the case was homicide detective Nori McKillop. He and hundreds of officers had spent hours on the hillside looking for any evidence that might lead them to the killers. I asked if they'd found any footprints. No, um, the ground wasn't really suitable for footprints. Um, uh, no, we, we, we didn't find any, any, any important evidence that would help us lead to who the killers were. So, with no footprints, no obvious forensic evidence, they had to start looking for the suspect. Who were they? Why had they selected Nicola and Kenneth? These two friendly, bright young students from Ireland School? Who would want them dead and why? Normally, well, often, um, victims know their killer. Yes. Was this the consideration? Mm, no, it was... Uh, it, we always keep an open mind in any murder investigation, but this was not the... This would 
became very very um, apparent to us that they were very very popular young people uh, amongst their peers in, in school. So there would be no reason for anyone to anyone knowing them to attack them. There was no evidence of any love, love triangles or anything of that any of anything of that nature. And were you originally thinking that you were looking for one killer? No. Um, although Kenneth was was his arm was in a sling, uh, it was quite obvious that uh, that this would be a, a, the number of injuries. Uh, it was quite clear to us that we're looking we were looking for a minimum of of uh, we I would say about th- minimum of three people involved in the killings. But yeah, there wasn't there wasn't any clear line of of inquiries on who those three people could be no, initially. No, there would be three or more people. We thought from from the the way the bodies were found, uh, from the injuries, from the fact the fact that Kenneth, despite his arm being in a sling, uh, would have put up a terrific struggle, and and Nicola also, and uh, she was naked. It was quite clear that there was there was a, there was a sexual attack on her. Uh, so it would be very difficult for even two people to handle two fit young people like Kenneth and Nicola. Um, so we're looking at a minimum of three people, probably more. But no clues at the time of the, who might the perpetrators be. And that carried on for a few months. They didn't have much information for a while, right? No, didn't carry, yeah, didn't, uh, didn't have any information at all. Journalist Tony Flores was working for commercial radio at the time and reported on the case. I mean, you would never imagine who, who would do such a thing. How can you do it? It would be in one of these cases that they, they talk of like a cold case mm. where uh, now, because of DNA and forensics, yes, yes. they might have been able mm. to f- test something. Right. But at the time, they didn't have any. Didn't of that. have any, any information. Remember, nowadays we got. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether it's a good thing or not, but uh, you got so many closed circuit TV. Now the police rely heavily on closed circuit TVs. You know, CCTVs, cameras, all over the place from shops. Then they can easily try and track down, you know, or find out who's been to the area and try and zero in on where they started and all that. In those days, you didn't get much of that. You didn't get much of that. Not a lot of crimes. The police just just go through the, uh, they go to the shops. You know, can I borrow your uh, CCTV? You know, your, your uh, footage, your security camera, and they can find out. You know, they just follow. Them. Whereas then they had none of this. Yeah. And up Br- Braemar Hill, you definitely wouldn't. You definitely would not. Yeah. Working alongside Detective Nori McKillop was his friend that he'd met over a decade earlier at the Hong Kong Police Training School, Detective Trevor Collins. Um, do you remember what your initial working theories were, what you thought could have happened to them? Well, I mean, it, it's obviously from the very beginning it was a robbery gone wrong. It wasn't just a straightforward uh, rape. It was just, a, you know, the, the area, two kids out by themselves, two, two uh, white kids by themselves. I mean, and, and remember, they, they were they're late teens, so they weren't youngsters. And obviously, if they were going to be targeted for robbery, then one would expect that the two uh, expatriate uh, sort of uh, people would have some money on them, which, as we know, they didn't. They had a dollar, 
I believe that's all they had with them. Because that was my initial feeling, we had to then sort of look at uh, how we were going to tackle the fact that the very little evidence to go on the scene because obviously there's no witnesses and uh, there was obviously more than one person who did the uh, did the, 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 the things to them. So we were going to be looking at two or more individuals. So then we had to decide on whether they were robbery gangs or they were robbery gangs that uh, always ended up with the sexual aspect, rape or, or whatever. So then we had to look at the, the whole of Hong Kong, which is another part of the story, obviously. With this working theory, these two detectives needed the manpower to carry out their investigation. I think we used the whole company of PTU, at least the whole company, that's four platoons, that's, that's you know well over 150 people, including detectives. So they had to be very carefully briefed uh, to conduct uh, thorough and systematic searches. And we made appeals uh, for uh, any witnesses who were in the area on that day or the day before, or the day before that even, just to find out. We Over the over the following weeks and months, we tried to establish a pattern of uh, who would be normally in that area. And uh, if there was people, were people who were normally in that area, who was, who was not going back to that area? So... That was one line of inquiry. Um, but everyone that we discovered who had been in the area had to be eliminated as a suspect. So uh, we had lots and lots of lines of inquiry to follow up, apart from the, the obvious forensics. But we didn't even have computers in, in, in those days. And uh, if we were going to conduct this, the size of an investigation involving as many as we could identify, uh, we would need some sort of uh, assistance. Every single group of two or more people that were stopped and searched throughout Hong Kong uh, obtained their details, identify and locate them, locate them, identify, and then uh, eliminate them or otherwise. At the same time, we started to interview and identify every single person in the area uh, all the way down to uh, making sure that we had details of babies and prams, this kind of thing. With a case so complex and with such little evidence to go on, public opinion was not in their favour, as journalist Tony Flores recalls. I say that because uh, you know people will, didn't think the police would ever crack the case because it happened on the hill. So many people go up there every day, morning joggers, hikers, and it could be anybody. A lot of people were saying uh, were questioning why you need so many police officers. They were saying some were saying, "Is it because they were expatriate kids? They, you know, they have more, uh, you know, um, attention." But um, you know, but others, you know, including some police officers that we spoke to, it's not a question of whether they were expatriate kids or or not. They worried that uh, because it was a very horrible uh, murder, you know, the two kids suffered multiple injuries, you know, very evil attack on them. And uh, they were worried that uh, whoever did that could to, could uh, do it again. That's why they, they were anxious to catch the killers. That's why they need so many police officers to try and uh, find these the, the person or persons who did it. But how easy would this be? Could the police catch these killers? 
It was 1985. DNA testing was not available to the Hong Kong police. They just had one fingerprint. I returned to speak to Dr. Robert Green, specialist in forensic science, to get an understanding of the science available to them at the time. It was very, very limited. It, it was, um, I mean, the, the, the only real biometric, I suppose we would call it, um, a biometric is, is one of those pieces of types of DNA which allows you to, to identify who the perpetrator is. Um, the, the, the only one we had at the time was, of course, was a, a fingerprint, uh, which in those days was a very, very manual system. We'd do a year's worth of work. You know, we would keep all the uh, crimes in a in a book, um, and I'd highlight the ones where it, which had been identified with uh, with forensic signs, with fingerprints, as it was in those days. Um, and I would probably do about a thousand jobs per per year, um, and look back on the, on the you know on the first of January the following year, look back, th- flick back through my book, and think, well, you know, I have a you know just a handful of, of crimes that have been solved with um, with uh, fingerprints so v- very limited uh, very um, labor intensive to actually match the, uh, the the finger marks i suppose in those days heavily reliant on uh, police officers putting forward good suspects who could be checked against the uh, the, the marks but the police didn't have any suspects uh, because as i said uh, in those days uh, then nobody ever thought that the police would ever be able to catch the killers Next time on Catching Worms. We, I would say, about a minimum of three people involved in the killings. Nicola, she had over 550 injuries. And the stick was used as a brutal weapon. But I know those kind of cases live on in Hong, Hong Kong's memory, so certainly lives on in mine. He or more than one of them believes that they're less culpable than the ringleader. Um, it plays on their mind and sooner or later someone will talk and for, with a bit of luck, someone will overhear that that talk and that's exactly what happened in this case. In memory of Nicola and Kenneth, the school set up the Nicola Myers and Kenneth McBride Memorial Fund. The fund aims to support underprivileged sixth formers from across Hong Kong. If you would like to give to the fund, please see the information in the show description. This has been a Create Podcast. Make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button so you never miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. You can follow us on Instagram at CatchingWormsHK. With special thanks to Detective Nori McKillop, Detective Trevor Collins, Chris Force, former teacher at Island School, Sean Ellis from Cinebrand, Robert Reed Kay, forensic specialist Dr. Robert Green, and journalist Tony Flores. And thank you for listening.
catching worms. Jok chong. This term means to get yourself into trouble, causing unnecessary difficulties. It may seem like an odd phrase, but this slang is often used as an abbreviation of the full saying "jok chong yap si fat," that involves putting said worms up your rear end, which, to anyone's imagination, definitely spells trouble indeed. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods. For fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands, they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands, and they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince. dot com slash style to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns on your next order. Quince. dot com slash style.